A couple days ago, I was telling my boys that I was going to be preaching tonight, and they said, well, what are you going to preach about? And actually, that's a good uh, thing to think about how you would say this to a six-year-old, because although a six-year-old is very, very well knows exactly what entitlement is, they don't necessarily know the word. So uh, I told them that I was going to be preaching about when you think that you deserve something. Uh, so, uh, if you don't mind, I think that, uh, I'd like to start out with a prayer here. Uh, dear Lord, uh, I come before you this evening, um, a weak and broken man, knowing that there was no way in my power that I can honor you or give the message that you want me to give. So, I beg, Lord, that you would give me the wisdom and the power to speak your will and to draw from your word and uh, to give us something to learn about you and be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, entitlement. We just had the six-year-old definition. Um, I think the reason why the Lord wanted me to talk about this topic is because it's been on my heart recently about some things that I think are fundamentally going wrong in our country. And um, there's a long, long list I could spell out to you, but one of the things on that list, I actually started the list. We can, we can talk about a couple of them real quick, but uh, um, top on my list of things where we're going in the wrong direction, first would be uh, America's godlessness, uh, our move away from God, um, apathy, a lack of responsibility, a lack of commitment, a lack of stewardship, and the stewardship thing. I, I actually almost preached about that. Um, uh, stewardship, you see a lack of stewardship in the country overall with our political leaders. You see a lack of stewardship in fathers that they don't stay with their families. Um, uh, so that's a whole other topic that I, I, we almost went down that path. But the last one that I had on this list, and what we're actually talking about tonight, is a feeling of entitlement. So Webster's Dictionary says uh, that ent- uh, entitlement is a right to benefits specified especially by law or contract. So I thought that was interesting, but uh, as you know, I'm a fan of Wikipedia, so I went over to Wikipedia and I looked over there. Uh, for those of you who don't remember what Wikipedia is, it's an online uh, uh, encyclopedia that you cannot necessarily trust. Anybody can edit it. Okay, so help yourself. I love Wikipedia just because they say it doesn't make it true. Like pretty much anything else you read, actually, other than this. Um, so Wikipedia had something that was interesting. Wikipedia said, Entitlement is a guarantee to access to benefits because of rights or by agreement through law. It can also refer, in a more casual sense, to someone's belief that he or she is deserving to a particular reward or benefit. Uh, It is often used as a negative term in popular parlay, as in a sense of entitlement. The legal term, however, carries no value judgment. It simply denotes a right granted. And this is when I thought that, uh, I thought of Gary as I was reading this. In clinical psychology and psychiatry, an unrealistic and exaggerated or rigidly held sense of entitlement may be considered a symptom of narcissistic personality disorder. So then I went and looked up 
narcissistic uh, personality disorder. And I thought that was interesting because whoever it is who makes up the rules about when you have that and when you don't said, uh, gave me nine bulleted item lists of things that are possible symptoms. And they said that if you have five of these, then there is a very good chance that you have narcissistic personality disorder. So I'm going to read these nine items. And as I do, think about America as it stands right now. And if you think that this accurately describes our country, our citizens, or where we're headed, okay? Has a grandiose sense of self-importance. Is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Believes he or she is special or unique. Requires excessive admiration. Has a sense of entitlement. Um is interpersonally exploitive, lacks empathy. We remember that word. I said that about 500 times last time I was up here. Um, is often envious of others or believes others are envious of him or her. And lastly, shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. So, obviously, there are some negative connotations that have to do with the word entitlement. However, it is important to understand that like other words that are buzzwords that people think are automatically negative, entitlement doesn't have to be that way. Um, discrimination would be a good example of a word where popularly it's used in a very negative way where people are immorally or illegally discriminating for some reason that they should not. However, you should discriminate. You should look at things and decide. Discriminate means, you know, looking over the information and deciding what is right, what is wrong, etc., etc., which way you should go. There's nothing wrong with discriminating. You should discriminate. You just shouldn't do it in an illegal or immoral manner, manner. The same thing with entitlement. There are actual things that all of us are actually entitled to. You may not actually want everything that you're entitled to, but there are things that you're entitled to. So it isn't necessarily bad. So what I want to do today is look at what the Bible says about entitlement. So if you'll stand with me, uh, we're going to flip to Matthew 25. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. I cheated because I already have mine open. And we'll read here. It says, Then shall the kingdom of the heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. When the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, I'm turning the page twice. At the midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open, open to us. And he answered, saying, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Please have your seats. So this is a parable 
Um, and, uh, well, let's just walk through what, what happened in the story, and then we can talk about uh, some of the meaning behind it. So, um, just to make sure we're all on the same page, this is not talking about someone who is marrying ten women. <laughs> uh, it, it was a uh, um, uh, Jewish tradition that you had bridesmaids, usually ten, because a lot of the different formal things that they did in Jewish tradition, you had at least ten witnesses. Um, and the tradition was that the bridesmaids wait with a lamp, and there's this big pomp and circumstance. You wait for the groom to show up, and you walk him in. And I read a couple different things about what the event was. It sounds like it was supper, is what they were having, okay? So this was the, the tradition. Um, so in the story here, uh, we've got five that are wise, they had their lamp, and they had some backup oil. And you had five that were foolish, and they didn't have some. And it isn't a matter of maybe some were wise, and maybe some were foolish, the Bible just says, these were wise, these were foolish. Um, the, candles, uh, the, the lamps went out for the foolish while the wait. Uh, they asked the wise for some oil, and they said, hit the road. They weren't going to give any up, and uh, there's no indication that that was a bad thing to do, to send them on their way. They said, go buy your own, folks. Um, and then, while they were out buying more, the bride showed up, he entered in the room, the five wise ones went in, the door was closed, and the groom said, you're not coming in if you showed up late. That's the short version of it, okay? So, the primary meaning you're probably already familiar with on these verses. The primary meaning of this is saying, be vigilant and watch for the second coming of the Lord. Be ready. Uh, we're not interested in people who will put on a big show People who will have their lamp. Look, I'm here. I've got my lamp. I'm, I'm in the right crowd. We're interested in people who are truly not just for show. They're there. They're serious about it. True believers. And if you are not a true believer, you're not getting in. It's the primary understanding of what this uh, means. And I completely agree with that. However, uh, in reading this, I think there's a good secondary meaning behind that. Which is saying, beware of wrong feelings of entitlement. Um, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty of that in a little bit. So I knew when I was putting together the sermon that uh, we were going to be talking about entitlement and kind of rubbed my hands together. I thought, that's a juicy one that it'll be easy to think of a lot of things that we can talk about that everybody will agree are bad things. I thought, wait a minute. It's really easy to dislike entitlement because that's always what the other guy's problem is, right? None of us feel entitled to anything. Those other guys, they, they feel entitled. So it's always good to... We have no problem thinking bad things about entitlement because we're always putting somebody else's face on this. But the truth of the matter is we all feel very entitled to a whole lot of things that we may or not, may not actually be entitled to. So I started running through a little checklist myself. What do I feel entitled about? Ignoring whether I really am entitled to them or not. Okay? I came up with so many, I had to break them into categories. So I have three categories here. I've got personal entitlements. I've got cultural entitlements. And that I'm saying cultural, but that's really, I'm thinking of Americans. Um, and then I've got spiritual entitlements. Okay? So for the personal entitlements, I had things, I mean, anything from the nitty-gritty, like somebody who wants to sit in that seat at church. They feel entitled, and that's their seat. Or someone who doesn't like it when somebody else parks in front of their house. It's my house. I don't want you parking in front of my house. 
Um, or some more obvious things. Uh, things like you feel entitled to being appreciated at work when you put in a good hard day's work, and you feel entitled to get paid for that work. Okay? You feel entitled, and again, you might not specifically, and I might not specifically. These are some general things that I came up with here. Um, I feel entitled to be treated with respect and fairness. I don't, people cheat me, I don't feel entitled to being cheated. I feel entitled to be treated fairly. Um, I feel entitled to receive love from my family. I feel, I feel entitled to that. Um, so those were kind of some of the things I talk about, I thought of as personal entitlements. For cultural en- entitlements, I came up with all kinds of stuff, okay? You can start with the things like um, the welfare type things where uh, a lot of Americans feel they're entitled to the basics of food and clothing and shelter and health care and things like that. There's a whole lot of people who feel they are entitled to that. Um, most Americans feel they're entitled to a five-day work week, don't we? That's actually new, folks. I looked it up. The five-day work week didn't start until 1930s. Uh, we had a six-day work week for a whole long time. Uh, so most of us do feel entitled to a five-day work week. Um, as a matter of fact, I was researching that. I found a website where they're pushing a, a five-day weekend. They want a two-day work week. They said nobody ever really works more than two full days anyway, so let's just put in the good hard two days and call it quits. Uh, more power to you if you can get something to go with it. But, uh, uh, you know, traditionally, Americans are actually working more and more every year. Um, so five-day work week. Okay, here's some ones that might get a little interesting. Uh, most Americans feel entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. After all, it's guaranteed in our uh, Declaration of Independence, right? Not only is it guaranteed to us in our Declaration of Independence, but the Declaration of Independence says that God gave us those rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, hey, I feel entitled to that. As a matter of fact, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in the laws that I feel entitled to. There's our our Bill of Rights, the stuff we tacked on later. I am a personal big fan of the Second Amendment, but uh, 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 to protect yourself, we've got rights for free speech, we've got property rights. Uh, These are all things that have been put into our Constitution, and most Americans would feel that that's something they're entitled to have, being an American uh, 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 citizen. I would stretch that out a little more when I talk about uh, about property rights, and I feel, personally, I'll, I'll stand behind this one, I feel like I have an entitlement to sovereignty over my possessions. I do. I feel like I shouldn't have to ask somebody if I want to build something on my property. I feel like I shouldn't have to ask somebody if I want to cut down a tree on my property. Now, I'm not saying yet if these are really true entitlements, but I'm telling you, I feel that way anyway. Um, So these are all things... uh, Oh, I have one more. I feel, and this is all under the cultural stuff, um, and most, again, I would think most Americans feel this way, especially now, that we have... Uh, we are entitled to a functional infrastructure in our country. That would mean that we need uh, power when you turn it on. We deserve roads. We deserve gas we can afford. We, we, uh, 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 policemen should show up if somebody robs us. We feel entitled to these things. Um, so that kind of captures what I was talking about for cultural entitlements. And again, my little tunnel vision is U.S. because that's where I am. Other countries, they're going to have other ideas, but... Um, and then the last group are spiritual entitlements. Now, I think probably most of us have a better grip than maybe your average person out there about 
the spiritual entitlement. But honestly, if you took your average man off the street, I think your average man off the street would feel entitled to salvation. I really do. I think they would think, either through their own good works or through not even knowing. I mean, knowing nothing about any kind of religious background at all. If you ask someone, you know, are, uh, are you going to heaven? Should you go to heaven? They'd say, sure. Been a good guy? Think the man upstairs will let me in? Uh, and not only that, even when you get into our uh, Baptist brothers, a lot of times we'll run into people who feel like uh, the other spiritual entitlement, blessings, they'll feel like they're entitled to those too. They'll say, here's the rule book. If I do this, this, and this, God's obligated to give me whatever it is. And this is the health, wealth, and prosperity, guys. If you have the faith, they will, God has to give you whatever it is. And uh, so, uh, I, again, uh, spiritual entitlements to salvation and blessings, very common. Very common for people to feel that they're entitled to those things. So you get an idea of what was running through my head when I was thinking about practical examples of feelings of entitlement. And again, I'm, I'm purposely not making comments yet about whether these are real or not. Um, that certainly a whole lot of them apply to me. So let's take it back to this story. So the fools thought they were entitled to a few things. What did they think they were entitled to? They thought they were entitled to not having to plan ahead. Take my lamp and I go, you know, I'm going to go camping tomorrow. <laughs> it's a very good chance I'm not going to remember everything. I'm going to end up being one of the fools that doesn't have all the oil. Um, so they felt entitled that that was okay. Not only did they not plan, but that was all right. They're entitled to not plan. They also felt entitled to borrow from the people who did plan. Because if they didn't feel entitled, they weren't like, oh, you know, can you maybe... No, I mean, if you read this, to me at least, the, the tone was more like, gimme. I didn't bring mine, gimme yours. Uh, so they felt entitled to, after they didn't plan ahead, that the person who did should be able to uh, back them up there. And then lastly, at the end, when they finally did get their act together, kind of, because they were still late, the whole point was to be waiting out there with the lamp, right? So even though they went and they got the oil later, it's kind of like, Cow already got out. You can close the barn door, but the cow's out. So then they lastly felt entitled to get in. Lord, Lord. Lord. Because I went and I, look, I got the oil. No. No. So they felt entitled to these things, but ultimately they were entitled to none of these things, which turned out to be a very bad thing for them. Um, so ultimately in this story, who was entitled to go in? God's people were entitled to go in. God's elect were entitled to go in. And nobody else was. So the idea of this false sense of entitlement is a very bad thing. Uh, and you, you should note here that the, any laws or rules or Jewish traditions that they had about you're supposed to have ten, but now you've only got five, and oh, we've got to let them in anyway because we need the ten even though they were late, that didn't apply. The bride didn't care, or excuse me, the groom didn't care. Uh, the, the groom didn't care that the rules and the laws and the cultural tradition all said that they all had to get in. That was it. 
And I think that's one of the things that they're showing, because this is all these, from what my reading was, all these different um, tradition, uh, uh, ceremonies, uh, Jewish ceremonies at the time, they all required ten witnesses. So this is saying, you know, God's rules overrule man's rules. Uh, so cultural laws had no effect. Hit that. Okay, so. What happens to people who do generally feel entitled? Now, honestly, we see what happened with these people in the Bible. Now I'm switching gears back over to the real world. What do we see about people who really have this strong sense of entitlement? Usually, okay, now I'm going to generalize. This is personal experience here. But generally, the results that I see from things like that are um, that feeling of entitlement gets passed on from generation to generation. You end up with generations of people on welfare Generations of people who will have a victim mentality. Uh, it's a negative thing. It's not some, this, is, this is not something that makes them have a nicer life. Feeling entitled to something doesn't actually make you happier. It actually makes you feel lousy. Um, now, conversely, thankful people who have little, who are thankful for the little that they have, what I've seen is usually they're joyful. Now, those people are actually the happy people. They may have less, but they're usually happy about it. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the other thing that I've seen with uh, people who have this sense of entitlement is an actual loss of honor and integrity. And I'll tell you the example, I, where, where this comes from. Um, uh, my parents over the years have had a number of little businesses, little retail-y things. And um, uh, we've, on a number of occasions caught people who were embezzling from them. And we're talking small money here, okay? We're talking about people who were working for minimum wage in a business that wasn't even making any money anyway, so that's why they were being paid minimum wage. But it was a good deal for everybody. These were usually students who uh, uh, were able to do their homework while they were sitting in this little retail shop. So, uh, but when we caught them, when they knew there was no getting out of it, and they had the proof Every single time you get down, they're nailed, they know it, and you ask them, why? Why would you do this? Every time they say the same thing. They say, I didn't feel like I was getting paid fairly and I was entitled to this money. Every time. I, I, I have not seen, it's either that or they just won't say anything. And usually that's the older ones. The younger ones will actually tell you why. And it's the truth. Uh, and it blows me away because if they weren't getting what they felt they were entitled to, why were they working the job? I mean, they, <laughs> this isn't serfdom. They didn't have to work there. They could have gone anywhere. Find another better deal. Um, but anyway, my, my point in this whole story is that one of the losing things that happens when people have this sense of entitlement can be a loss of honor and, and integrity. So... Um, that brings me to real entitlement for you and me and where this feeling of entitlement usually comes from. It usually comes from two places from what I've seen. Again, this is personal observation. One will be citizenship or belonging to a particular group. You're an American citizen, so this is why you're afforded, you know, whatever the cultural ones that I was talking about. Or you're in this gang, so you get their protection. Or you're in this club, private, whatever it is. Or you're a member of XYZ church. Um, or it can be that you're a member of a group or a person who has been treated poorly yourself, you had a, a poor childhood, um, 
or, you know, your great-great-great-grandfather was mistreated. And I'm not saying that these things are okay things. These are bad things. It's horrible if you were treated badly as a child. It's horrible if your great-great-grandfather was treated poorly. However, it makes for a poor life for you to allow that to make you feel that you have a sense of entitlement. Um, So, I have a little extra bonus in here before we keep going, because I'm thinking about entitlement. And right here, when I was writing this part of the sermon, my, my brain jumped to welfare, which is the easiest example. And honestly, that's not where I'm going with most of this. But I couldn't help. I, had to, I have to tell you this quote that I ran into about a month ago. Thomas Jefferson had a quote. He said, I'm going to say it slow, because you're going to want to remember it, because I know you're going to want to tell other people that's that good. Any government big enough to give you everything you want is strong enough to take everything you've got. Oh, shivers. Yeah, he's written a couple of, th- couple of good things. So, um, and this, uh, as a side, this isn't a party thing either. Uh, this isn't a Republican versus Democrat thing. Uh, Republicans are great at pushing pork belly spending through our government. So both sides of the aisle are full on into uh, uh, this kind of uh, entitlements. As a matter of fact, that's how politicians get elected. They give money away. That's how they do it. Yours and mine. Um, So that's fake entitlement. And I'll tell you why that's fake entitlement. All of these different reasons why people feel this way. If entitlement really means... You deserve whatever it is. You can have whatever it is. Then my thinking is, and this is a fairly tight interpretation, so you don't necessarily have to buy this interpretation, but my thinking is, if I'm really entitled to it, then it is immutable. It's not revocable. It doesn't change. I'm not, I don't deserve it today and not deserve it tomorrow. I either deserve it or I don't. Right? And if you buy that definition of entitlement, then you can throw anything that's guaranteed by the government out the, store, uh, out the window. The Bible doesn't even say anything about our country. Our country could be gone in a hundred years. Yeah, but the Constitution says, well, <laughs> sorry, bud, you're out of luck. Um, if you have a home insurance policy for fire on your house, and you've been paying your uh, uh, premiums every month, and last month you didn't know it, but they went broke, And this month, your house burnt down. You may be entitled to get your house rebuilt, but good luck. So uh, my point is, if true entitlement can't come from these groups or these countries or this history, and you really aren't truly entitled to it unless it's something that can't be revoked, there's only one place where true entitlements can come from. God, it doesn't change. If you promise it today, it's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there yesterday. It's going to be there at the end of the time. So the only entitlements that you have, and there's a whole lot of them, are in here. I mentioned you might not want some of them. Um, And this is true for saved or unsaved. And that's where the might not want some of them part comes in. But everybody, whether, whether, whether you're one of God's people or not, you're entitled to everything in this book. So, uh, let's go back to our examples, our three groups. 
of entitlements now that we're talking about this new definition of entitlement. That first group was uh, personal entitlements, and we were talking about love from your family, being treated fairly in work, being treated with respect in general. Sorry. Not really entitled to those. It's like a trade. There's nothing wrong with a trade, but that's what it is. If you don't love your family, are you entitled to have them love you back? No, it's a trade. I, it's not a bad trade, it's a good trade, but it still is. If you don't show up for work, are you entitled to get paid? No. If you don't treat someone else with respect, are you entitled to get respect back? No. So these aren't really true entitlements. It's a trade. If we go and talk about these cultural entitlements that we talked about, things that are in the Declaration of Independence, things that are in the Bill of Rights, sovereignty over my possessions, um, uh, basic needs, infrastructure, all this stuff. This falls under a more complicated trade, but it's still a trade. These are, and I wrote down the word because it's a social contract. To live in a society, the concept behind a social contract is people are animals and they'll run around killing each other if we don't make some rules. So the idea behind a social contract is I will stay in my sandbox, you will stay in your sandbox, we will make our little rules, and that way we can all live together in peace. It actually works really well with what the Bible says about man's own personal goodness or lack thereof that we have. Um, so the things about um, your rights you have over property or uh, your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, those are all things where we say, I'll give you your rights until they infringe with mine, and that's a social contract. That is not entitlement. Uh, the proof is, if we were truly entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, okay, for starters, especially if this was guaranteed by God, nobody would ever die. Right? If you're, if you're entitled to life, nobody would ever die. If we were entitled to liberty, why do we have so many people in prison? They're not very at liberty. There's a better way of saying that, but you got the drift. Um, so these are clearly, and, and that one's guaranteed by the government, um, but there's a few strings attached. Lastly, the spiritual entitlements. Well, that's where it starts getting good. Because spiritual entitlements are actually real, but they're commonly misunderstood. So, uh, spiritual entitlements um, would be all of the many, 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 many promises that we have in the Bible. And the tricky part is, those all, and I mentioned this earlier really briefly, they actually all apply to everyone, whether you're saved or not. The problem is, a lot of them say, for God's people. So most of the good stuff, God reserves for his people. There are some that he gives to everyone, you know? Generally speaking, the sun shines every day, rain falls, plants grow, for everybody. Um, But, in general, the main entitlement that the lost receive, I'm kind of getting to my conclusion here, is that you're entitled to go to hell. Which isn't a good choice. So, uh, the good entitlement that the lost have is... If you believe, you shall be saved. So, it seems to me that um, the good place to close this up is to talk about the good news and give the gospel message. I know we all know it. 
But that is where it really boils down here. Because God says, if you believe, you will be saved. That is a promise that everyone is entitled to. Then once you get saved, you're entitled to all the other promises too. And uh, my understanding is a lot of people have a lot of interpretations about what believing means. Uh, My understanding is that, you know, you're a sinner. You want to turn away from that sin? You believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins and that you want to follow Jesus. And that's all it is. And if you truly believe that, and this is, we're not talking about a formula. We're not talking about praying a prayer. We're talking about in your heart, knowing this stuff, living it, wanting it. Then that's what it takes. And you are entitled to all of God's promises. That is what the Lord gave me to give you. I've done it. And I thank you very much for your time.